Um, I want to start off today uh, by honoring someone. I want to honor my beautiful uh, grandmother-in-law, Meredith, right here. She turned 88. On, uh, on Friday, and um, her kindness, her gentleness, her love, her sweet, sweet spirit has passed on from generation to generation, and so I'm just so grateful for you. Love you. Okay, get that out of the way, and uh, Adam mentioned last week that um, we had baptism, and it was a wonderful day, um, and we're... we're talking about and working through the book of James. And James is kind of a short, a short book uh, in the Bible, kind of towards the end. And he gave a little bit of background on who James was. James was the half-brother of Jesus. James was a pastor of the biggest church in Jerusalem for 20 years. And so he was a seasoned leader. Um, and this letter is really kind of a summation of his, um, of his experience. Uh, as, a, as a pastor for a long time, he sat down and he wrote, said to himself, what is the most important things I want to share and I want to, uh, I want to tell the next generation and beyond? And so he wants to make sure that we have this solid understanding of how to live our best lives in community, and with God and continue on the good work of the gospel of Jesus because no one really had an experience like James growing up with Jesus seeing everything that he did there was no TV no Instagram no Facebook so if you wanted to tell the story and pass it on you had to literally tell the story and hope that the person you told will tell it to the next person or you write a letter and that's, and that's what he did. And so we're fortunate to, to have that today and to learn from his great experience of living, everything, of living through everything he lived through um, and as his, as his um, you know, leadership as a, as a pastor. And so he wanted to make sure that people knew that Jesus is the Christ. He is the way. He is the only way to God. So let's jump into James 4. That's the, that's the chapter we'll talk about today. And, you know, if you've been listening or read along, James is a straight shooter. He is someone that just gives it to you right there. Um, the letter has been described as a well-crafted punch to the gut. And so that's where we pick up today. So the title of this chapter is Submit Yourselves to God. So I'm going to read it with you. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, 
God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. You need to humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Yeah, that one hurts right here. Let's pause for a moment. The heading of this chapter is submit yourselves to God. That could technically be a subtitle for the entire Bible, right? There's other main themes in the Bible, of course, but this is a big one. Submit yourselves to God. Why is it so important? Because we're human and we like doing things our own way, right? I think of children submitting to authority. To authority, I have this conversation with my kids more than I'd like. And if they just would listen, they would know that we actually, we love them and we do. We know what's good for them. We want the best for them. And it's the same with God. And we're the kids that think we know what's best for us and we don't trust that God does. We don't believe that he loves us and has our best interest in mind. So we're focused on this one chapter today. But the message of James is trying to tell us what the message, what the message of Jane, James is trying to tell us is huge. James is calling for a heart transformation, not just making a list of don't do this and don't do that for just the sake of peace between two parties. No, he's reminding us that we're supposed to live our lives every day for him, for God, that we can't love worldly ways and God's ways at the same time. God's ways alone should be what permeates through our entire life and in everything we do. So here's just a little reminder of the last few chapters, some of the things that James shares in his saged wisdom. He starts off with trials and tribulations. He says, listen, they're going to happen. Not if they're going to happen, but when they happen. We cannot avoid these difficult times. And when they come, don't complain. Instead, consider it pure joy, not just joy, Pure joy. Okay, that's not easy to do. These things will test your faith, and in the end, it builds character that leads to maturity and makes us healthy people who, with our experience, can help others. That's one. God, secondly, God is the source of wisdom. If you want wisdom, ask for it in faith, and he's going to give it to you. He tells us to listen first. Don't be so quick to speak. And when God speaks, don't just listen to it. Do what he says. Treat everyone as equals. Stop with the favoritism. Your faith should move you to action. Love your neighbor who is in need. Doing something for them. There's action behind it. Build one another up. Don't tear them down. Learn how to control your tongue. Your words carry power for good and for evil. A couple more. He says, don't be a hypocrite and praise God in one moment and then curse somebody in the next. And then lastly, worldly wisdom versus wisdom from heaven. It's different and your actions and deeds will tell which source you pull from. So all of this is about honoring and loving God and honoring and loving people. Because we have to live with people, right, Josh? I know, if there was a way we could, well, we have to. 
<laughs> so we can't avoid people. So let's do it right. And that's what James is trying to say to us. And if we do it re- right, it requires us to strive towards this idea of wholeness. Followers of Jesus have to be wholeheartedly committed to him. And James uses a word that translate in our, in our language as perfect. But in the Greek and the Hebrew, it means wholeness or completeness. And there's this great resource online called The Bible Project, um, and they frame this quite nicely. It says, wholeness means living a completely integrated life, that your actions and beliefs are always consistent with the values and beliefs, beliefs you've received from Jesus. Most of us are fractured people with big inconsistencies in our character. We are all more compromised than we'd like to admit. It continues, it says, however... God is on a mission to restore, restore fractured people and make them whole, make them perfect. So this passage and other books that I've been reading lately that I didn't think were connected, um, were, are connected. And this is something, uh, kind of a revelation that God has been pressing upon me recently. Too many things coming at once to say, okay, God, I can see you're trying to get my attention here. So through various exterior sources, as well as personal whispers and dreams from God, I want to share with you today um, how this passage spoke to me. Um, It's very personal to me um, and is central to my identity uh, in this growing conviction of how I want to live each day of my life. And my sense is that God wants me to share it with you today um, because this is central to why Jesus came. So it's not just for me. I believe it's for you as well. So here it is. In and of myself, I do not have the ability to love people like God loves people. In my genuine desire to love others, to care for them, to serve them as much as I want to do it, me in and of myself, I am incompetent. I am incapable of loving them well and consistently apart from God. I don't love people as much as God loves people. Now, I know you might say, well, duh, I've always known this, and maybe you have. But if I'm honest with myself and with you, I don't live in this knowledge every day. And even if I had the knowledge, I cannot do it effectively without God's spirit being alive and active and leading me. As his spirit is a constant, constant source of love. And without it, I try to do things in my own power and I fail more times than I'd like to admit. So this is where the revelation came from for me. Because lately, I've been feeling this battle raging inside of me, this this tug of war that, as I think about what is going on, this battle is a fight for my destiny. It's a fight for my future and my life. And here are the two sides, okay? Bear with me here for a moment. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Where am I? Okay. Is Tommy going to live for Tommy and what Tommy wants? 
Or is Tommy going to live for Jesus and what Jesus wants? And I can tell you the difference. Tommy wants what makes Tommy comfortable and safe and secure and to do the things that make Tommy happy. Is Tommy, wait a minute, see, I knew this. I practiced this like 10 times. It's important. I was like, why am I doing this in the third person? I don't know. I just feel like it makes sense to do it. And what Jesus wants for Tommy is for Tommy to live his life in deep connection with him and deep connection with people that Jesus brings to Tommy, putting others' needs before his own. Jesus wants Tommy to be okay being uncomfortable for the sake of others and for Tommy to realize that loving others and serving others and putting others before himself is actually wonderful. And when Tommy has completely yielded his heart, it brings joy to God and actually is going to bring joy to Tommy. More than he could ever imagine, knowing that he was obedient to what God asked him to do. I'm Tommy, by the way, if you didn't know. So the question is, am I all in for me or am I all in for him? Because if I sit on the fence my whole life, I make no real impact one way or the other. Some people think that there are two ways a Christian can live. Let me read for you the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation. He says, to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these words. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you, would either, I wish you, would, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put in your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, again, this is Jesus speaking, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There is only one way to live your life as a follower of God. It's his way. In Jesus' entire time on earth, he models the way in which we should live, caring for the poor, praying for the sick, spending time and eating with outcasts, teaching and guiding anybody who will listen, seeing miracles happen regularly that help people experience God's powerful ways. Jesus submitted himself to God and was led by his spirit. Jesus told his disciples that they would also have his spirit and do even greater things things than he did, and we can too. And think about this. When we focus on ourselves, we will always come away 
dissatisfied, always. Because when I'm the focus, I will always find a way to disappoint myself. I cannot put my hope in me. I am not enough to give myself true joy. Accomplishments are great, but they fade. New trips or new jobs and going on trips can all feel good, but we all know those feelings are temporary. I can only find fulfillment when I stop looking in the mirror and start looking at God and putting others before myself. So here's the crazy part for me, a little bit more context of the battle that was raging inside. And this is just in the last few months. I would be alone with God out loud in my backyard, and I would be literally weeping for people who don't know who God really is. I would have this conviction deep from within that Jesus is the only hope of the world for lost people. If people could just know who you are, God, who you really are, how you change us, how you make us new, how you give us a new identity, how you give us purpose, it would change everything for them. I would weep for the sick. Too many people I know lately have been diagnosed with terrible diseases, and I see the hurt and the pain that it's causing everybody in their circle. I would weep for friends of mine that have walked away from the church for different reasons. Some just walked away. Some were hurt. Some felt judged by people in the church and even ostracized by people in the church. And I would weep and I would think, Lord, how can I help? That's one side. Then I go to bed. Then I wake up the next day the night after I prayed and cried for all of those things that seemed right, that seemed like God was putting on my heart. And the next morning, it could seem like the furthest thing from my mind. I'm immediately consumed by my own problems, by my anxiety, by my issues. And I think to myself, selfishly, well, I'm going through a lot too just don't have the time or the energy to do anything about what I was crying for just the night before. There's this tug of war. There's this battle. There's this struggle. There's God's heart. And then there's Tommy's fractured heart. And I've tried to love well in my own strength. I have. To people, not just to people outside of my house, but sometimes... It's hardest to love well the people inside your own house. And I've failed over and over again. I've tried to do it apart from God too many times in my own strength. And I've just come to the realization that I do not have the capability of doing it well on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. I need his love. I need his patience. I need his wisdom. I need his strength. I need his compassion. Because by myself, I'm too impatient, too selfish, too angry at times. And I'm unable to serve my family well as a husband 
and dad. That they need me to be. I'm tired of missing the mark. I need Jesus. I am so grateful for the grace that I receive from my family and from God. For the second chances, the third chances, the fourth chances, the fifth chances. And this is what James is saying. Stop fighting the battle inside. Stop fighting the battle outside. Submit to God. Yield to his spirit. This passage reminds us that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. He says, grieve, mourn, and wail. In other words, repent for your selfish ways. That is the emotion you see. That is what I am feeling. It's this idea of repentance, of grieving and mourning, of trying to do it Tommy's way. I need to do it God's way. And here's the beautiful part. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Come near to God and he will come near to you. This is a promise which I am grateful for. Let me end this part by saying this is not a one-time decision. Yes, I'm gonna follow God for the rest of my life. That's wonderful and it starts there. But it is a daily yielding Waking up every day and saying, God, what do you have for me today? Sometimes it's hour by hour and minute by minute. Lord, today is your day. Every day. Help me to love my wife and my kids well today. Help me to put their needs before mine. Help me to say yes to every prompting that you give me. It can be done. It can be done with him. Transition. I wrote transition here in my notes, and I didn't come up with one. So there it is. Transition. We finish up the chapter with a couple of more reminders. The first is to not talk negatively about each other. We can cue it up, Sean. Verse 11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James reminds us here, that God is the judge and not us. What a relief. Let's, let's accept one another and put our differences aside for the sake of unity, for the sake of the advancement of God's kingdom. How do we do it? By submitting to him. Let's be an example to the world who we are by our love. John 13, 34. I don't have it up there. You can just listen. This is Jesus. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by love, everyone will know 
that you are, my, you are my disciples if you love one another. And lastly, he ends the chapter with another gentle, not really, reminder that in the end, do we really think we're in control of anything beyond what we can do in the present moment? No. So he talks about boasting about tomorrow. You got it there? Starting in verse 13 to end the chapter. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go and do this or that in the city, spend a year here or there, carrying on our business and making money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if, this, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do, it is sin for them. This may be actually the most humbling part of the whole chapter. We plan for this and that, and yet we don't have a promise of our next breath. James is like, oh, look at you. So cute. Trying to plan for next week or next month or next year. That's sweet. He's reminding us strongly to focus on what we can actually control. And coming back to the whole submit yourselves to God thing in the beginning, God will lead you on what and where to go next. Don't worry about anything other than, yes, God, I'll do what you say now. I'll forgive my brother. I'll ask for forgiveness from my wife. I'll go help my cousin who's sick. I'll invite my neighbor over for dinner. I'll pray for the coworker whose mom just passed away. I'll go to that person sitting alone in the cafeteria or send a friend, send a card to a friend who lost their job. Whatever it is, tomorrow may be too late. We need to listen to what he's saying today and do what he says. So, I want to be a part of a community that is known by the love we have for one another and the love that we have for people outside of these four walls. Will you all be a part of that with me? Will you be a part of that with me? Will you keep me accountable? And I will help you. I need accountability. I need people around me that will lift me up when I fall, that will encourage me, that will forgive me, that will care for me. So let's do this together. Let's live the dream that God wants us to live. And let's bring heaven to earth so we can see amazing things that God wants to do in and through us. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know how that was received. I just know that you wanted me to share what was on my heart, what you've been doing in and through me, God. 
I love you so much. Lord, help Tommy to get out of the way and help me to see what you're doing and do it. A wise person once said, the secret to success is doing, just listening to what God says and doing it. So Lord, help us all to do it. I pray for my brothers and my sisters here today that we would yield our spirit to your spirit, God. That we would get out of the way and we would let you do what you want to do. Can you imagine if we all did that? Let us be known by our love, God, to each other and to the world, to the people around us, to our neighbors, the people outside our walls of our house, the people inside the walls of our house, Lord. I thank you for your forgiveness, for your love, for second chances. Lord, I pray that for my, for my friends here today. In Jesus' name.